uh, broadcasting live from Atlantis, the underwater city. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be joining us from. My name is Devin Morgan, director of baseball driveline, founder of the Driveline Academy, and this is the Driveline Academy podcast, the world's most dangerous youth baseball podcast. I am joined by my man, Fifty Grand, uh, Driveline Academy assistant director, Driveline Academy international man of mystery, Jeremy Texiel. Okay, got through it. Yeah. Like, and like, didn't rush, but like, also didn't marble mouth it too bad either. Um, housekeeping, as per usual, axbat.com, code DL20, get yourself 20% off. We're nearing episode 50, um, which probably means we've given out the axbat code 40, 35 times, probably. Um, thank you guys for using it. Yeah. Um, like, we actually just got the uh, Q4. Uh, results, which is money, again, that goes directly into our scholarship pool, um, not my motorcycle fund, not Jeremy's International Travel Fund. It goes to the kids. Um, so standard stuff, if you want training bats, game bats, other baseball type of stuff, go to AxBat. Use code DL20. Um, oh, man. D as in D as in dinosaur, L as in lunatic two zero get yourself 20 percent off uh, also skills of scale complete youth baseball training manual is out um thank you guys for go- getting yeah. the thing um like the the numbers have been really really cool um we are getting like a lot of activity around it that uh which is i guess the thing that i wanted to have happen but didn't really know how to expect um that's some pretty great uh I apologize if you've seen my stupid uh, made-for-radio face all over your social media uh, because we've got a bunch of paid ads out there to take um, this message that you guys get because you listen to the pod out to the masses, which happens to be a bunch of moms and dads that are on Facebook. Uh, so if you've been inundated by so- our social media presence and specifically my dumb face, I apologize, but also I love you. And, uh, and if you can continue to press uh, support the book, that's great. Um, if you've bought it and you've already had some stuff that's working for you, whether that's helping your teams onboard, whether that's running games, whether having your own player use the yearly training plan to kind of craft what the next 12 months of your month could look like, the hitting programs, the throwing programs, the drill videos, send us a message. Let us know how it's going. Um, we will amplify it. We love to like support that type of stuff and just put a good thing out into the world. Yeah. Um, Last note of housekeeping, the Youth Underload Smash Bats are going to be back in stock shortly. Woo! Uh, Literally, we were talking about like nine days. Let's go. Um, We've got one shipment that's landing in April. We've got another one that should be landing in... I'm sorry, we have one that's coming in March that's in like seven, eight days. Uh, We have another one that's coming in April, and then we're going to have another one that's coming in May. So if you've been hesitant to buy it because you're like, hey, I don't want to buy a thing that's out of stock... Uh, here's the thing I will tell you about how that works at driveline. If we're out of stock on something, if you put that order in, you're in the queue. And when we get back in stock, we're going to start working through the queue. Uh, this is not me trying to do like a gross internet salesman sales tactic. I'm just telling you how that works. So if you want to get that thing, uh, deploy it with your players training, deploy it in your team practices or run simple games. Uh, they're going to allow you to focus on both bat speed and contact quality, because that's literally what that bat does. Uh, youth underless smash bat driveline baseball.com 79 bucks. Um, with that shipment comes the power bat. Um, we've kind of hinted at this for a while. Um, we have replaced, we are replacing, uh, the old two bat, uh, speed training system where there was a barrel load and a handle load with a single bat. Um, and the way that that bat works 
is it's got a it's basically we've we've gone down the path of moment of inertia uh which really we're talking about is swing weight um you know if if you are a parent that's bought a bat for your kid before and you're like grab this one and it feels pretty light to swing and you grab this other one and it feels a little bit heavier and they both have literally the same length and drop weight the reason that stuff is different is because swing weight is just kind of a different thing altogether uh, which is actually the thing that you know the the youth speed trainer system uh, was is kind of predicated on, on that idea, right? You would have one that had a handle load where the majority of the weight is at the handle, easier to swing because the weight is distributed closer to the center of the axis of rotation, meaning the handle of the bat. The more of that weight that gets away from that center of the axis of rotation, the higher the swing weight, otherwise known as moment of inertia. Um, and what we did is we basically made a bat that is representative of the average swing weights of all of these type of bats um, so that it is a speed training bat that is actually heavier than the old ones. Yep. Um, but because of the way that the swing weight is distributed, it's something that should be useful for kids from like 10 all the way up to 13, 14, um, just relative to weight. Um We'll do like a full breakdown when I actually have one that I can put in my hands. Again, that should be in about nine days. So maybe podcast after next, we'll get into like the whole, I mean, ish, because it's, what day is today? We today? have something to announce on that podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, new, lots of new, pod, yeah. new announcements. Yeah. We'll do so like, that, maybe not that one. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. the week after. Yeah. So, um, but Power Bat is coming soon. Um, and shoot, man, if we have to, if I have to come in and do another one, it's just like a 40 minute breakdown of like all the research that went into that, how we leveraged our bat fitting database that has like 500 some odd 600 bats in it to craft the swing weight of this training bat. We'll do that. Yeah. Is that all the housekeeping? I think that's all the housekeeping. I think so. Yeah. 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 Oh, and the Power Bat's going to be cheap too. It's going to be like 99 bucks. That's nice. Old speed training set was like 250. Yeah. Um, and the thought is, is that with the youth underload smash, you're able to train super maximal bat speed paired with barrel accuracy. Power bat going to develop ballistic speed training. Because again, if you look at the research on speed training in hitting, it is all predicated on being around like 20% over under the, the game weight. Um, some of you that manufacture training back for bats for kids out there may be a little bit too aggressive with your swing weights. and You might be prompting like bad uh, swing adaptations. You know who I'm talking about. Um, so I think we've got a thing that is both cheaper, more durable, and better. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's stuff. Uh, okay, housekeeping done. So broadcasting live from Atlantis. Uh, it, the weather is terrible here. Um, not great. It's not great. I... Uh, <laughs> Danny had his first day of high school baseball tryouts on Monday. I mean, like, I feel like, uh, what was it, Friday last week? was absolutely gorgeous. It was beautiful. And I was like, oh, we've, we've turned the corner. Like, we're, we're now in the, like, full-time. Maybe we'll get some sun, but, like, we're in the full-time. We're not getting below 50 It's spring. Again. Right. We're not, we're not dropping back below 50. And, like, in, in especially after a relatively mild winter. Yeah. You know, like, we didn't have to move a ton of practices around because of weather. No. There um, was, we really didn't cancel. There was, like, one practice the entire yeah. winter. Yeah. We had to get inside. So, so then uh, on, I went down to Arizona on Sunday. Yep. Um, so on Monday for first day of high school tryouts, I wasn't here. Um, but I get a text from, from my darling wife, and she's like, yeah, it's, it's like snowing. Yeah. So uh, if you are suffering through that in terms of your high school baseball tryouts or your child's or your running tryouts and the weather is terrible out there, uh, we empathize. Yeah. 
Um, I will say that like going from Arizona weather to Washington in a single day is very jarring, mm-hmm. uh, especially when your boy uh, books a flight at lands or takes off at six o'clock in the morning Arizona time. Yeah, it's a tough scene. And I'm because I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, no, that sounds great because like I'll be able to get back home around like eight thirty. Uh, my wife can pick me up. She won't have her day inhibited. I can be productive for the rest of the day. What I didn't do was the math about what it meant to fly out at six. Yeah. Which means, and I'm not like a full on like two hours early at the airport guy, but I have the clear thing. Clear works pretty well. Um, But I try to be an hour. Well, that means I need to be there at five. Yeah. And I'm getting there from Scottsdale. It's half an hour. That's easily a half hour. I want to make sure that like I don't screw anything up. So my alarm's going to go off at like 345 for a four o'clock uh, in the morning, uh, lift pickup, woke up at three, two o'clock in the morning, West Coast, like like yeah. our time, yeah. and then had a, I was, you know, had a, what, a 20 hours, 20, 21 hours awake day yesterday. I knew it was going to be uh, rough, and that's why you, I, I got a message from you at, I think it was like 3.20 in the morning, or 3.45 in the morning, my time, which would have been like four something yeah. or whatever. Maybe it was like closer to three, which would have been like four. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so he's on the early flight. He's on he's on the, the yeah. earliest possible flight out of there. I mean, maybe maybe this is just like gun shy, uh, you know, PTSD about our ABCA flight experience. I don't know if that was somehow played into it, but um, one of the rougher flight experiences. Yeah, I've, I've had. Yeah, so that that was fun. Uh, I I, that, do, I just didn't go to bed that night. Yeah. Shout out ABCA. I, I mean, I actually I, I thought about it. Because I was at the facility in AZ. I think we got out of there at 9.30, maybe closer to 10. Practice ended at like 8.30 and was chopping it up with Curran and Stryker. Um, Curran Jacobs, Driveline Academy, training floor coordinator in AZ. Legend. Legend. And I, I want to come back to Curran. Uh, Steven Strike, a.k.a. Stryker, facility coordinator in AZ. Legend. Um, here's what I'll say quickly about Arizona. Last week, Chloe, um, Chloe, who does marketing for us here, uh, hit me up and was like, hey, I've got this version of a, of a Meet the Staff video we shot of you. Check it out. And in that video, I tell the story basically like how I came to work at Driveline. God bless Jason Ochart, because if it wasn't for him, like this wouldn't have happened. Um, and what Chloe did, because she's a G, is she found all this old, like some pretty old training f- footage from the old facility mm. and like was like cutting that in his B-roll. And I was like, Actually, I've got some better stuff because I have some stuff from like 2018 when I first started that was like, this is like really, you know, the first, I I mean, you know, what do they say? It's hard to not be romantic about baseball. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like literally seeing the first swings that Danny took off of a tee with, with Gordo, you know, eight. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just eight. It was like a week, two weeks before he turned nine. Um, And now literally having this be the week of high school baseball tryouts was, yeah. was pretty crazy. Um, but in that, in that process, I was like looking through my phone of all this like footage that I just got back in the day, um, including uh, Max Gordon doing handshake practice with Danny, which, which is just, <laughs> just hilarious. Cause you know, cause it's Gordo, yeah. man. Uh, Max Gordon wrote a book. It's on Amazon. It's about his journey. If it's in, it's cheap. If you want to read it and just be, preemptively inspired. like completely yeah. inspired yeah. by what Gordo's gone through, what he's got. I, I mean, how, how can you not love that dude? Um, it's a really, really great book. Uh, 
can't remember what the exact name of it is, but it's if you just Google like Max Gordon baseball on Amazon, you'll find it. Um, anyways, point being, I'm looking at all this old footage in the old facility. And again, in the old facility, you know, the old 2-4 building, one big mound, you could maybe have three guys throwing, but probably two, one big plyo wall, and that was it. And even when we added 4-3, that was just a, a smaller, one small plyo wall yep. in one cage. Yep. And going through and like looking at all that old footage and how we used to run youth groups there, and you know, and it was it was small groups. And then going down to AZ and seeing what they've got going, and you know, and we're barely two years into that facility. Yeah. Like I think there is, there's a little bit of that vibe for sure. You know, 100%, like there's yeah. I, in 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 the most in the most best way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I walk in there. Um, I walk in there and I see guys like, you know, like obviously Stephen Hart, Travis Fitta, um, Waddy, uh, but then like Dalton Berry. Yeah. You know, like like Dalton Berry is like an OG trainee. And I remember back in the day when like Dalton Berry was like Rob Hill's understudy. And like and Rob was trying to – Rob was coaching Dalton in baseball but also coaching him in life. Mm-hmm. And like to see Dalton now is like an older dude who's got his stuff together and is like working for the company and crushing it. It's just like – the culture, man. Yeah. The culture. Uh, Dylan Gargas, same thing. I, I don't know. Like, that part of it is just is really, really special. And the thing that I will say that is just as m- more important to me is seeing our AZ kids training on Monday night. We had um, some of our high school kids who, um, for a couple different reasons, aren't playing high school ball, but they're still in there and, like, Getting after getting it. Getting after it, yeah. Got a chance to meet the legend himself, Johnny Vu. You met Johnny? Yeah. Johnny, uh, Johnny gave me a tour of the van. There you uh, go. So we have one of our 18-year-olds, uh, for anybody that doesn't know the story of Johnny, who is on our Academy 18U yep. team um, and is living in a Sprinter van that is 40 feet from the back door of the facility. Yeah, yeah. Lives there, cooks his food there, trains, and like, and that's what Johnny does. Yeah. And I, I, 10, 15 at night, you'll see him cooking up a steak on a George yeah. Foreman grill out of the back of the van. Yeah. Like literally that. Yeah. yeah. Literally that. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about uh, how people get the most out of our program. And I think one of the things at the individual athlete level is just buying in. Yeah. Committing. I mean, that I don't know that an athlete has ever embodied the what we call like the weather's 101 of like the how good can I be? Yep. More than Johnny Boo. And uh, and here's the best part about that. Johnny went from a kid that was throwing like what low eights, maybe some high sevens. Yeah, they were up set, upper sevens. Right. Yeah. And is now mid to up mid. Yeah, he's sitting eighty five easy. Yeah, eighty five, eighty six. Yeah, he's got yeah. a little bit more in the tank too. Yeah. And because of that, is now got some offers he's looking mm-hmm. at, and has the luxury of trying to figure out the school that's going to give him the most money to support him academically. Right. To like to just like offset yep. the entire tuition cost. Uh. And to be clear, you don't have to live in a van outside the facility. Like, oh, right. like, like, like right. I, I'm right. not recommending that anybody let their kid uh, yeah, no. live in a sprinter van outside God. of a facility. Don't, don't let my son hear that. Um, but the level of commitment that that does show, and that like I want to do this, and I'm whatever I need to do to make this happen from Johnny and his family. Whatever it takes. Uh, like just kids like that don't fail yeah and like when you when you approach your training that way you just aren't going to fail yeah so 
got a chance to see Johnny and the 18s getting after it. And You, you saw know, some Sam, Sammy Skinner, too. I saw some Sammy Skinner. I saw some Bo Denny, dude. Yeah. Bo's an animal. Yeah. Bo is an animal. Um, shout out to Field, man, because, you know, his, his boys, both of them are, they work really hard. Yeah. Um, but then uh, got a chance to see our 13s and 14s down there. And just like, man, the, the core of that group, the core of that group, like the culture's there. Yeah, it is. Like, like the culture's there. Yeah. You know, like um, the kids, and not only just on the on the competitive side, on the skill side, but I think one of the things that's like a big signifier there to me is when you see them competing against each, with and against each other in, in HP. Yeah. And especially at 13, 14, you know, like that's, I think for people, again, longtime listeners who have been uh, hearing us talk about the program for a while, our 13s and 14s, so post Little League, pre-high school, generally an area we get really, really substantial gains. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that has to do, obviously, with everything we do on the skill side. That's important, but it's also important what we're doing on the HP side, yeah. uh, on our high performance side, developing strength, long-term athletic development, et cetera, et cetera. Um, doing that as they're going through... The beginning stages of puberty is just massively important. It's just huge, man. And so, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm over there watching, you know, some of the boys and they're they're doing um, dumbbell squats, right? And and uh, I think Grady down there was like, I'm, I'm going to squat that 100-pound dumbbell. And then some of the other boys are like, well, well I'm, I'm going to do that too. Tanner's like, I- I'm going to do that. Yeah. Man, just <laughs> – yeah, the, the the culture, it's just like it's it's easy to see the core of that group. And and again, you know, that core is not only like some kids that are a little bit big for their age, maybe mm-hmm. not even big, but just, you know, good size for yeah. the age. But dude, uh, little Nate. Yeah, there's some undersized guys there, yeah. but can move, dude. Yeah. And, you know, when you see, um, you know, we see Grady and Tanner basically competing, uh, doing reps, doing the 100 pound dumbbell squat. And then little Nate over there is like watching. Culture, man. Yeah. Like it, you know, the, the culture of competition down there is is really, really good. I hope I know that those kids have gotten a ton better. I I really I want those families to kinda I, I wish they could see it the way that that like that we see it, you know, because like I think if you do this thing for long enough and you see some of these young kids that are like working really hard and they're already like starting to get good, it's really easy to just like future project and be mm-hmm. like oh i have an idea of like what your 14 15 year old self is going to look like yeah. it's like robbie coma two years ago and all of that has come true yeah, yeah. so you know the, uh, robbie was a kid Bob's a monster yeah robbie was a kid who um just freaky athletic as a as yeah. a younger athlete because he came to us as a 12, 12. I remember? yeah um as a 12 and i think when you when you have those kids who are like they could be freaky fast and springy and quick and twitchy. Mechanically, they might be also a little bit all over the place. All over the place. And he's, you know, he was a kid that you looked at that you're like, uh, you don't have to tell me, but like I know you play football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, you just yeah. have that energy of like the, you are all over the place. Like you are used to wearing pads. Yes. To to kind of yeah. help you from hurting yourself when you run into things. <laughs> and like. I, I do wonder about those kids sometimes in baseball because we have this, you know, this attraction to mechanics, 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 right? right? We, I mean, yeah. Again, longtime listeners have heard us pontificate ad nauseum about this. Uh, any new people, you know, when you take these kids that are biologically unstable and you try to make them be mechanically consistent, I think to me that's like very square hole round peg if it's divorced from like the output of the activity. Yeah. 
And what we did was, again, craft an environment that's going to be uh, driven by competition, constraint, and intention. And allow him to be a Tasmanian devil. A hundred percent. Yeah. Within that environment. Yeah. So then Bob, so Robbie, you know, last week on what, Wednesday, pops a ball. I mean, whatever. Sometime last week, pops a ball 89. And he's 14. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, that's the thing that happens when you let an athlete be an athlete. Right. And, you know, with a kid like that, who the energy is palpable when you meet him. Yeah. The worst thing that you can do to that kid as a coach is try to lessen that energy by t- getting him to focus on mechanics. Right. And, and especially... And, s- and slow him down and, and honestly bore him. Along with the negative stigmatization that comes with that. Right. Wrong, wrong, right. wrong, wrong. Right. Of course kids are going to pull output off the table. Correct. They don't want to make you unhappy. Yeah. They don't want to make you dissatisfied. They want to feel like they're failing. And, like, when I think about... When I think about, like, Robbie and Parker... Who's another kid in that same cohort? Or four, I mean, there's a we have, there's a bunch of our 14s, dude, that are that are in this conversation. But I really think about like Robbie and Parker because Robbie and Parker, um, I think it's fair to say are pretty like biologically dissimilar. Oh yes, but they're competing against each other with this same like we want to continue to get better, we want to work, and like the system serves both. Mm-hmm. It serves them in different ways. <laughs> But the, again, that same thing of like environment constraint, implemented intention, it's driving both of them to like, has, has Parker hit a ball 90? I mean, he's right. I think he's right on the doorstep. I if think he, he might have. I think he, yeah, he might have already clipped a 90. Yeah. And, you know, you could look at, you could look at Robbie and Parker and be like, you know, apple orange. Yeah. They, they don't look very similar. Right. Right. So, you know, and again, to me, you know, in the youth baseball landscape is like, yeah, if, if they were, if they were a team of 14s who were like built like, Eric Kozak. Shout out. Right, shout out. Uh, sure, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But I think the thing that I love is that, like, the variance that we have between Robbie, Parker, AD. Yeah. There's another it, kid in that and, group that's a little smaller. And it's not just, uh, like, the variance in terms of their physical stature or, like, their athleticism, but, like... Uh, I don't know that you could find two kids that approach the game mentally differently sure. than Parker and Robbie. Yep. Um, and like it, they're both like very at home in this environment, yep. approaching the game from two very different sides of the coin. Yeah. You know, it's like it's funny they used to you know they talk about you know swing or throwing mechanics and like well you know everybody's gonna be a little bit different, but they're gonna get to like the same positions. Bob and Park very different, but they're similar in their competitiveness. Yes. Like, and, and again, it's the cultural thing. So it's like when I see that in Arizona or I see it here in Washington, it's just like, man, it feels really good. Yeah. Um, and, and special shout out because I did want to come back to Curran Jacobs. So Curran, uh, we are going to lose around May because he's going to go play pro ball. He's going to yeah. go do the thing and go carve. Not an if, but when, Curran, was a conversation that we had. That dude's, that dude's level of care is so flipping high. Like, and just being able to get in, because I, and I know, like we know, yeah. and I'm sure that you probably saw it when you were down last, but for me, it was the first time I had gotten a chance to see it with the new AZ crew. Yeah. Man, you know, you, you can, I will trade, I will trade a guy who played in the show and is ambivalent or low energy or, hey, it's my way or the highway. I know how to, I know how to coach myself. It's just one way to do it. I, I would take 
I would take one Curran over like five of those guys. Yeah. I mean, just his his level of care and the way that he's he's working with those kids down there. And again, same thing with Stryker. Um, it's just absolutely beautiful to see. Yeah, and that's I think a thing we we really try to find in our staff members, especially like the full time academy staff members, is that genuine level of care for the athlete. Yep. Because um, that is really difficult to teach and to train. And if you already have that, we can do a lot. We can, we can help you. We can train you a lot. We can give you a lot of resources to get better at the ins and outs, the, the X's and O's of your job. It's really hard to get someone to like genuinely care about a 12-year-old who isn't very good at baseball. And care the same way that he does about a, an, eight, an 18-year-old who's hitting the ball 105 miles an hour. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Like, I, I don't know. You know, I just... And you know uh, that the athletes feel it, too, because... I don't know if you saw them when you were down. No, I don't think – I think you were ships in the night. But uh, one of my 15U athletes was down there for spring training. Oh, yeah, I missed him. But and, I heard about it. <laughs> and showed up at the facility, A, to see the facility, but also because he wanted to see Curran because he missed Curran uh-huh. because uh-huh. Curran used to be up here with them and, and has been down in Arizona for, for months now. And it's like, yeah, they, they will think about Curran long after – their baseball careers are done. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it just, it was really heartwarming to see. Yeah. yeah you know, he's like, the best. And, and man, look, I'm sure that, you know, it wouldn't take much for someone to poke around and see that like, you know, in year one in Arizona, we've had some struggles. Like, yeah, oh, know, yeah. we've had, we've had some, some successes, some struggles. I think we've. When I was going to say the culture piece, you know, that you talked about with that yeah, team. Yeah. That's the remaining. Correct. That's, that's, you yep. know, those are the kids that got it. Yep. And that's who you want to build the culture off of. A hundred percent. I would rather have, I would rather have those kids that are bought in than double the amount of kids. With the other half right. not caring. Right. And it's, yep. or, or, you know, caring, but like, uh, trying to have their cake and eat it too. And trying to do pitching lessons or sure. playing, guest playing tournaments over the weekend or do things like that during our development phase. Yeah. You know, most of those kids at this point are. Or have we've we have cut ties with or they've cut ties with us so that's where you get down to like yeah culture is outstanding yep. because the guys that are left all they're rowing the boat in the same direction they're all very bought in and into this and it takes some time to get there yeah and 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 honestly it didn't take us very much time no no it really didn't it should take way longer than it took us and I think this actually ties into a little bit of what we were talking about, about getting ready for season, like the showcase thing that we yeah. talked about last week, because I think ultimately it just, it brings to frame, what are you trying to get out of this thing? Right. You know, uh, Danny went to uh, the USA Baseball 15U NTIS thing. Um, shout out to Driveline Triple OG Cody Aiden. Uh, for being there, who got a chance to uh, heat check me on the Trey McNutt diet story, uh, which it, it turns out is true. So if you want to throw like upper nines and you need to add mass, uh, you can do the Trey McNutt diet. Costco pizza and a gallon of milk a day, somewhere between four to five days a week. Also, maybe there's a more sophisticated way to do that, but... Yeah, sophisticated, sophisticated. Takes what it takes. Who cares, yeah? Takes what it takes. Is there a cheaper way to do it? There is not. No, there is There not. is not. There is not. Yeah. Um, so we talked last week a lot about how to get ready for season and this type of stuff. So, you know, it's at the, the 15 UNTIS, um, 
and you know, I went there very incognito. <laughs> it's just like as incognito as you can be. Yeah. Um, the only way you can go incognito, we've talked about this, and I don't want you to do it, but I, it's shave the beard. That's the only way you can truly yeah. be incognito. I yeah. Maybe once we get to like a quarter million listens, I'll post like a high school photo of me with no beard. It's very strange. You've heard it here. A quarter million listens. Yeah, quarter million. Uh, we're approaching a hundred thousand. So if you want to, you want to accelerate that. If you want to see what I look like as like the baby faced Evan in high school. Uh, like, share, subscribe, turn your notifications on. Anyways. I'm just a fly on the wall, right? I'm incognito. I don't work in baseball. I'm just a dad with a with you know uh, my wife and I, and you know took the boy down. Um, so the kids are going through their thing, and I'm overhearing some other parents talking. And I'm just flying the wall. I'm, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to. You know, I actually run a youth baseball podcast. Like I'm not. I'm not doing that, right? And and there's um, there's somebody there. You know, God bless her hot heart. Like I. I understand the intention. Yeah. Like I under, I understand and 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 she is bragging about the fifth it was either 53 or 57 games that the kid had already played I was this say, year. You, you texted me 53, but I, yeah, I mean let's just assume it was 53. <laughs> 53 games before the spring. Uh in about, you know, they they went to they went to um Nashville and they played in a tournament there and instead of like a plastic ring or a plastic trophy they got little like tiny guitars to celebrate and it's like and then they start talking about these different um you know you go on amazon and it's like the these trophy cases for kids it's like a booming industry and and i will say you know the the night yeah dude dude Uh, so the night before I have been reiterating to D a lot, much like with the high school tryout, much like with our college showcase. Pretty simple message. Just go have fun. Yeah. The best version of yourself is going to be the version that is not encumbered by this perceived stress of consequence. Yeah. It's another day of baseball. The only 100%. thing that makes this different is the stress you're putting on yourself. Yes. It's another day of baseball, which yes. I understand is much easier said than done. Yes. For a 15-year-old trying out for the first time. Right. But like... And, and, you know, and I had to reflect back on, like, trying out, you know, high school basketball team about I remember I remember that the fear of consequence. I still do. Mm-hmm. I still do. I remember it starting, you know, they brought us in old Franklin High School uh, in the gym, and we just, like, we're running around. You know, we're doing laps around the gym. Of course, there's no dynamic warm-up to be seen, so whatever. Um, and I remember just even running, I was like, or the coaches watching me run. Like, I'm, yeah. I was that oh, yeah. domed up about it. Yeah. Um, so the message to, to him was, you know, pretty, pretty simple, man. Just like go put yourself in the p- best position to compete. If you're going to do that, it's probably just going to be be loose, have fun. Like I think about um, Jamie Kruger, mm. Driveline, uh, Driveline Academy uh, coaching assistant. Assistant coach point. extraordinaire. Yeah. yeah. You know, like there's there's a video, I think, uh, of D at one point doing, you know, walking windups on the mound. And Jamie was like, and I'll, he's, it was just, it was the best. He's be free, be loose, let it rip. Yes. Like, do that. Um, so, you know, you got these parents over there that are bragging about the the volume of games that they're playing. Um, the different holster uh, category, categorization system of all the all the swag that they're, they're winning in these tournament trophies. And then you see these kids actually put their skills on display, and it's tough. You know, it's, it's, it's tough. Um, and, 
it actually made me think of uh, of this quote that I saw not too long ago uh, by Nipsey Hussle. You know who Nipsey Hussle is? R.I.P. Perp. Yeah, our, man, that one, that one hurt. Yeah. Um, Instagram served me up this video of Nipsey talking to uh, t- doing a, a radio interview when he was obviously still with us, and he was explaining why he only has one album, but he has all these mixtapes. And what he said was, he was like, somebody put him up on game and was like, if you put out, as a small artist, albums, then when you go to negotiate with a major label, they're going to look at your other albums, sales, and give you a deal that's representative of whatever they think that that is. And what he did was like, so Nip has one album, right? It's Victory Lap. Everything else is a mixtape for a reason. Hmm. Because when he went to go negotiate the deal for, for Victory Lap, he was like, I intentionally didn't want to give them albums that they could comp me against. And because of that, they had to look at social media presence, brand awareness, YouTube views, et cetera, et cetera, and then give him a deal that was representative of that. And it made me think about showcases again and things like the NTIS and this whole system of like player evaluation. And and I, man, you know, the, the night before I'm sitting in bed And I'm just like, you know, this idea that you have to kind of take your child and take them to a place and have them be evaluated and like hopefully they pass someone's sense of approval, like it's kind of preposterous. Mm -hmm. The best thing about doing it with data is that you get some actual clarity there about is that real or not? Right. You know, um, and again, in one of one of the things that I said to to Danny over the course of like talking through tryouts is just like you should feel really confident about the path that you're on. And look, you know, if, if he makes a JV team, if he makes varsity, he gets cut. You're still on a path. And we know the validity of that path because we can, I'm not just eye testing it, right. you know. And I think when your whole perspective is dominated by like, did we win? Did we lose? Did I put another plastic ring or a trophy in this tournament case, yada, yada? Signal's not great. Yeah. Again, longtime listeners, you've heard us make this point before and over and over. But like the whole like the nip the Nipsey analogy of just like you you want to if they're going to compare you to something if they're going to comp you you want them to comp you to something good it's something that's going to increase your leverage. Showcasing too early before you're ready, I think, is putting out mixtapes as albums and then being upset when the record company is like, we're not going to pay you that much because yeah. your album sales have been bad. Yeah. Six of your seven albums weren't very good, right? So yeah. your like seventh one, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, they're yeah. just, they're not, you know, they're not. That's yeah, an interesting comp. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had a couple of our high school kids up here have conversations with me in the last couple of weeks about, should I try out? Sure. Like, am I better served not playing high school baseball as a freshman Staying here, taking the three months to like develop more because is it like, is it better for my long-term future to play on a freshman team or a JV team or to do three more months of development and try to be throwing two miles an hour harder once the summer comes? Yeah. And it's like a really, uh, A, it's a... Good question. It's a, not only is it a good question, but it shows their level of understanding of where they're trying to get and the best way to get there. Yes. Uh, which is awesome. It's very much informed by like the long-term view. Yep. And which like tells me, okay, we've done our jobs really well with those kids that like, they understand that like a weekend or even a summer 
is yeah. not as important as like the work you put in outside yep. of that. Um, and then on the, the flip side of that same coin, it's like, no, you got to go play high school ball. You got to, yeah. you got to at least try to go play high school. ball, yeah. Right. Like there's, there's other things that you're going to get from that, that you wouldn't get from here. Yeah. Yeah. But Hey, if you don't make the team, what's the downside? Correct. Right. And then that becomes the conversation with a lot of my kids who are nervous is okay. I, I, I understand being nervous and I can't tell you to not be nervous. Yeah. What is the worst thing that happens? Yeah. You like, you, you got to embrace it. Yeah. Like, the, Hey, we're going to be good either way. Yeah. And only one child, uh, when I said, what's the worst thing that happens, is like, I could die. It was your kid, by the way. <laughs> but uh, it was like, what, what is the worst possible thing that happens? Just, just I could die. The... No, no, no. That's, that's not going to happen. Like, the worst possible thing, uh, just... the answer I was looking for is, you don't make your team. Yeah, just, but I'm sure he's associating not making a team with that. Uh, no, I believe when he extrapolated it, it was like, oh, the coach like... sees me do something that he doesn't like and he kills me. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, so when I tell people that, like, it's scary to have a kid that's like a psychopath <laughs> over baseball, like, this, this is what I'm talking about, gang. Um, but, like, a lot of the other kids were like, yeah, that's, you're right. Like, if yeah. we don't make the team, nothing changes about our lives. Yeah. Like, we're, we're, we're then still here with you three times a week. Yep. Training, getting better, like that doesn't change at all. I had a couple kids that kind of were like, if I don't make the team, am I still allowed to be here? It's like, of course you're still uh, allowed to be here. Like, Not only that, but we're going to double down. Yeah, we're, we have a proven wrong group that you're going to yep. join if you don't make that team. Yep. Um, and then, like, I, you know. It's just the best name for that group, too. I know, right? Uh, one athlete decided he's, he does not want to play high school baseball at all. And was like. And there can be reasons for that. The reason for him is he. His future, which I'm not going to disagree with him, he believes is in track and field and not baseball. Yeah. Same season. Yeah. yeah Loves yeah. baseball, isn't ever going to be able to play high school baseball if he wants to do track and field. Yeah. Is that going to hurt my standing? Nope. Not in gotcha, any dog. way. Yep. Not in any way. Go do both. Go have fun. Yeah. Like, there's ways to message out how, like, I, I hear a lot of, uh, and you know, sometimes I'll, I'll go on social media and I'll see a lot. There is a lot of pressure from outside sources being put on these kids. Oh, sure. It's not just like the coach or like them, you know, thinking that they're like, you know, I, it was brought up multiple times this week. Well, like, yeah, Michael Jordan didn't make the, okay. You're not, first of all, you're not Michael Jordan. And second of all, that that's for sure a myth. Like that, that didn't really happen uh, the way that people think it happened. Well, so, uh, you ever, I mean, this is a dumb question, but have you ever read the kids' color, the kids' uh, book, Salt in the Shoes? No. Okay. Uh, so it was written by Jordan's sister, I believe. Okay. And recounts the story of what happened there. And like Jordan used to go down, and uh, I mean, this is a bedtime story for for Danny and Cora. So if you're wondering why my and he are... still thinks that LeBron is better than Michael, <laughs> even though that was his bedtime. God damn it. You, you know, if you want to know why my kids are psychopaths, is maybe it's just my fault for any day. <laughs> with Michael Jordan as a like bedtime this. story. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so so if I remember correctly, and Dean Cora, please don't get mad at me if I. I mean, there were a lot of a lot of bedtime stories we read. Anyways, um, he would like go down to the court and play ball with his brother and his friends all the time, and he'd constantly lose. And then he thought it was like attributed to like a size thing. Mm -hmm. um, oh man, I hope I'm getting this right. So. He goes and he does not make the team, and he's like, "Well, I, I just, you know, I, I just want to be better. I want to be good like my big brother." And at that point, Jordan was looking, uh, like, physically looking up to Correct. his big brother. And then, you know, the I think 
the the thing is like his mom's you know put salt in his shoes to help him grow but what it turned out is actually like getting cut and then playing and developing the skill paired with his biological development and then got to the place that he wanted to get yeah i'll, and, I'll bring salt in his shoes but next I, time. I i believe it was he didn't make varsity yeah 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 correct i think that's the right that's like the you know that that it's been a bit overblown that he didn't make his high school. No, he yeah. didn't make the varsity team as a freshman. Yeah, much, like this a is lot like, of kids don't make varsity as a freshman, and yeah. the vast majority of them don't like the, turn into Michael Jordan. This is like the A Rod. I I got cut. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And like the the amount of pressure put on these kids from outside sources is very real. Leading into the trials, and it's just like, yeah, it's it's another day of baseball. There is no bad outcome. Yeah. And like I had to, you know, what happens if I make an error when fielding? Next pitch, baby. Well, you're. What do you mean if? Like you're, you're going to make an error. <laughs> yeah. Like it, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, the best thing you can do is show that coach how you're going to respond to that error. Yeah, yeah. You can throw your glove. You're going to get mad. You, like, or you're just going to like get right back in the in your ready position, do a prep step, and get ready for the next one. Like, and and man, I'm just I'm going to double down on this idea. I think when you're looking at l- kids learning this game the perspective should be what you just said errors are expected right it's part of learning right right we don't we don't we don't expect that in any other form you know that like in any other activity athletic or academic but when the thing that is highest priority is winning and you condition these kids to be terrified of what it is to make a mistake because of how that affects their ability to win in a time that it doesn't matter broadly. It's no grand surprise that when they show up for that high school baseball tryout, they are terrified of making mistakes. Right. And thinking that like one mistake is actually going to get them cut from a team, which like, I mean, look, there's a chance that like, this is a, that kind of high school coach that he sees one mistake and he cuts a kid and he can't, look at the actions of a kid and yeah. and feel, okay that that kid has really good actions yeah okay he missed this this ball but like everything about it was great until he he bobbled it or whatever the case sure. was like like everything leading up to it was great the process was really good sure the result was bad sure i, mean, I feel it, like most coaches can separate those two things you would hope You'd hope. I mean, there's definitely if, some that can't. But yeah, like, and if you're a coach that like can't separate those things, and hopefully you just have an absolute like cornucopia of talent, correct? To be like, oh well, everybody else was flawless, and that one kid made a mistake. Right. So I mean, right. but most high school teams, at least, I don't think look like that. Yeah, because kids mean, are kids. That's what I think, and then I get some of the messages this week about what they've done in tryouts and oh, I know things like that, and it's just like, oh yeah, all right, well. We're telling kids on, on day one of tryouts that how important bunting is and that they're going to bunt a lot. Yeah. 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 So, so okay. I want to, but I want to come back to like this whole idea of like the Nipsey thing about like how you, you got to know when it's the right time to, to put this stuff. Yeah. It's, you got to know when it's the right time to negotiate your deal. And whether that is your high school baseball tryout or the first day of your little league practice the stuff that you've prioritized is going to be evident. Yeah. You know, I would, it's, it's I would gonna show. go with that example. I'd be like, okay, when you got to, you have to understand that like the mixtape at that point is way more important than the, than the album. Correct. Because the mixtape allow like it's how you're developing your sound and your art. 
I'm, I'm not, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say that like playing games and training, if it's considered more of how you're developing yourself, yeah. as opposed to this very, again, you've heard me say this a, t- a thousand times, this binary, did we win or did we lose thing? Yeah. It's very different. So, uh, so shout out to Paul who wrote in and sent me an email because I think it ties d- directly into this and like the perspective of you can have parents who see it that way and they're fine with their kids' youth sporting career being a mixtape. Yeah. And, and the kids in art. So he, write, he wrote, sent me an email. He said, um, two years ago we had a dad who didn't like that we only won about two-thirds of our games. Only. I mean, well, let me, I'm going to take a full here. That's an idiotic perspective. Yeah. Uh, I think even idiots would agree that that's an idiotic yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, two, th- two years ago, we had a dad who didn't like that we only won about two-thirds of our games and didn't buy into the process of teaching kids to field the ball properly, footwork that allowed them to play the- at higher game speeds, etc. So what Paul's talking about is their, their perspective was process-driven. Right. And they were confronted by a dad who is very much results-driven. So they moved to a 9U national team last year. So okay. this is like he did, he, they were only winning two-thirds of their games at 8U. Yeah. Or 7U, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 7-8. Se- so 9U so Natty. 9U Natty, right? They spent a little over 20K in travel for all of these tournaments. Per family? No, this single family. That's what I'm saying. Like, each yeah. family. No, Paul had a kid leave their team in this one family then in their new org in the national team put 20k into travel. Uh, they played in Texas, Georgia and Florida for 9U and 10U uh, large tournament events and he talks about his son's high rating as a as a 9 and a 10U player. He goes, "I wish I could get them to understand that he doesn't have to spend so much money on travel." And these ratings at like 9U to 11U mean nothing. Uh, Paul, thank you for writing in. And I mean, big shocker here. I think you're right. I'll, I'll, take you one, I'll do you one better. I don't think you're right. I know you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I understand you've got disposable income. You, you think that this is going to translate into something, but it's, it's just it's just not. Like it, it's just not, and I, I understand the allure of your child wanting to be feeling competent and competitive, right? Um, I understand that your child at a cognitive level may struggle with the context needed to put that one third of games that they lost, not two thirds, but one third of them into context, right? Um, but you know anybody that listened to uh, two episodes two episodes ago? I think is is when I talked about the text that I sent Danny. Uh, yeah. I cut that down into a clip, and then posted it. And then I wasn't sure if I really wanted to post that, so I deleted it. But um, the 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 way that I reposted it, the context and the caption they gave it was like the difference between losing and learning is context. Mm-hmm. Context is the thing that allows you to say we either won one third of our games or half of our games or two thirds of our games, 
and say, this is what it means and this is what it doesn't mean. Kids probably are inherently limited in their ability to provide that context. Parents are the ones, parents and coaches, obviously, are like the ones that, that need to give it. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I really doubt, I, I wonder what the long tail effect of this current version of youth baseball is going to be. Because my fear is that a lot of these kids are not going to be lifelong athletes. They are going to get chewed up and burned out by the system. And at a certain point, they're going to have children of their own. And I do wonder if they're going to be like, yeah, let's let's do this baseball thing. I mean, that for sure. But like, even take a step back and, you know, this kid is, what we said, nine. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what Paul said was that they were they were nine. Uh, was that they moved to a nine U team last year? So I guess this year they'd be a ten U. Yeah. If this athlete's career is done, thirteen, fourteen, anywhere up to eighteen, what is his identity outside of being a baseball player? Sure, sure. And how has this perspective about competition informed his identity? Like, right. how is this kid? You know, is, is this the kid who loses a game of Fortnite and gets in the chat and starts, like, rage cursing at people because they can't put that experience into context? Right. Is this a person who is going to struggle in their professional life or school or whatever and is going to turn those hatred feelings inward? Yeah. I, I have to imagine, and, like, a lot of this is summer tournaments and things like that, but I have sure. to imagine there's not a zero amount of school missed. Like, I mean, that you yeah. are probably missing some small amount, hopefully yep. small, amount of school to do this. And it's like, what message are you sending there? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's all bad. Yeah. Especially at that age. Yeah. And, and you know, and ultimately it, it does, I think, seeing that message from Paul, so shout out to you for sending that in. Um, and then going down to Arizona and really seeing down, like, the, the culture of the kids we have down there. Um it made me think of a, of a movie. You've seen uh, There Will Be Blood? Yes. So uh, if anybody that hasn't seen There Will Be Blood, uh, it's about oil men in the early 1900s, uh, independent oil men, who um, would go to communities that discovered oil and would basically help negotiate a deal where they would, um, they would get it out and they would, you know, basically help them monetize that without going out to like standard oil or, or what one of the big corporations. And at the beginning of the movie, um, I actually just watched it on the plane down because I've been meaning to see that movie for probably 15 years. You never saw it. No, no, no. And like, and I'm a big, um, standard day Lewis. Yeah. 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 It's well, it's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think I've seen literally everything as he's done other than that. I probably shouldn't have watched it on that stupid, you know, screen on the yeah. back of the seat, but I don't know. It's whatever. I knew I would stay awake. Um, so he goes into this little town, and they've obviously brought him in to negotiate whether he's going to take the lease on their on their land to, to yeah. pump to drill the oil, and um, and he kind of presents what he would offer them, and he's like, "Hey, I'm an oil man. This is a family run operation. This is me, and my son. We run it. Uh, I run the crew. I know these men. You can you know you can reliably understand that I'm going to do this thing for you, and you're going to get the most value out of it without going to like this gigantic company who's going to contract out the labor and all this other stuff 
and as soon as he kind of like presents his plans, there's all this dissension, right? In the room, you know, everybody in the room is yelling and screaming, yelling and screaming. And he knows that he's there, like he's only there because he can make money. But he's got all these people that are all, you know, freaked out about it. And I believe the lines, he gets up and he like he hears all this yelling at a certain point, he gets up and just walks out. And as he's walking out of the building, they're like, wait, 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 come back, come back. And he's outside, he's walking away. He's like, no, the guy's like, please, please stay, please stay. And he says, I wouldn't take your lot if you gifted it to me. And I saw that and I was immediately like, yeah, man, okay. That That's the thing. Our thing has this, it like, okay, time out. Uh, of course, I'm going to be proud about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Is it perfect? Is it flawless? No. Are we still working on it, developing things? Yes. Yeah. But I am absolutely convicted at the bottom of my soul, and I know that you are too, that like we are doing the right thing to get the most, help these kids get the most out of their athletic lives, mm-hmm. the the best way that we see how. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I saw that and I was down there in Arizona watching those kids, I was like, man, this is what it should be. Because for better or worse, the kids that we have down in Arizona now are kids that are bought in. Right, it's not a room full of confusion. It's it's people that that understand the mission. When I think about uh, you know groups that we have here in Washington that have been highly consistent, highly bought in, and they're getting these like outlier development results, it's the same thing. There's no confusion. Right. Right. I, I just you know, and it's it's tough because I think you know ultimately we want parents to have this perspective that they get it, but not everybody gets it. Yeah, and I think the the better that we've gotten about kind of heat checking who does and who doesn't earlier in the process yeah. is putting in some position where we are now, where we're really clear about who this is a good fit for and who isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, to make that relevant to you, whether you're working with an athlete, whether you're working with a team, um, I think the more that you can be on that nine U team, being like, "Hey, look, this is our objective. This is the thing that we're building towards." And tell people up front, you know, hey, if you're if you're if your satisfaction is only going to come from winning eighty percent of your child's games, you should probably be somewhere else. Yes. And and, and maybe I'll try to devil's advocate myself. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe being the winningest nine U team actually means anything. I mean, I'm I'm trying. Nah, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. It's it doesn't though. Like, it, it just doesn't. So the more that you can, I think, evaluate these type of things when you're looking at whether it's the training that your child is doing or the team that they're participating on or the organization you're evaluating for next year, because we are moving into that season of things, right? It's right on the doorstep of March. By the time that we get to April, May, teams in different area of the country are going to start thinking about, like, what do we look like for next year? Families are going to be evaluating. Um I'm very happy and satisfied to be in that position to just be like, I would not take that lease if you gifted it to me. Yeah. And I I think, you know, one of the other things that goes along with getting a group like we have now down there that you have to try to find out as early as you can. We're still trying to figure out if there's a way we can Mm -hmm. suss it out in tryouts, right? Or, Or any kind of evaluation process. But groupthink is really important. Yeah especially with kids like peer pressure is real social pressure is very real 
we put them in positions that are going to cause them to fail in order to adapt and get better. Yeah. If it, if you have anyone in the group who, because of their upbringing or just their attitude or whatever it is, they don't, not only did they, are they not comfortable with failure, but they make failure a thing that maybe other kids aren't in the group comfortable with. I, Man, I'm so happy you're going there. Is then you have a bunch of kids not really buying into doing the drills because none of them want to look stupid. Yeah. Or like we're doing pitch designs and a bunch of kids not really trying to learn new grips and learn new pitches and, and get their pitches better because they're afraid I might yeet three of them to the top of the cage. Correct. Which like, yep, you're going to do that. Yep. You're, you're The first time you throw a ball with a new grip, it's weird if you don't yeet it. Right. to one side of the cage or another. Like you are trying something new. Yep. We're asking them to try new things to fail so that we can they can adapt to that failure and improve. And if you have anyone in that group, honestly like one person can do it if it's mm-hmm. a bad enough influence. If you have more than one, it's they don't even need to be bad influences and it just like will happen and will taint the whole group. Yep. Anybody that, you know, on I'm not even going to say these kids are bullies. Like, some of them for sure are. Um, But, like, any inclination that any of them have to not look stupid makes the whole training group worse. And I I think of when uh, we started... I mean, I've been with these boys for a long time, but we started doing some more... The end, the back, like once we started games last year, our lifting sessions were a little bit more gymnastics based, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Plyometrics. Um, Plyometrics, like a lot of, you know, tumbling and things like that. Uh, And the first time we did it, I had a bunch of kids who were afraid to look like an idiot doing a somersault. Yes. Cartwheels. Yep. Yep. Hey, let's all look like idiots together. Yeah. Like we're all going to look like idiots here. Let's let's all look like idiots together. Yeah. And like not care about what yeah. we look like because the first time you try something, you are always going to look dumb. Yeah. If you are like super averse to looking dumb, you're never going to try a new thing and you're never going to be able to improve and learn a new thing. Yeah. And and like in that I think that's part of the I think that's part of the competitive culture too. Yeah. Right? Where it's like it's it's competitive but it's not it doesn't revolve around judgment, right? You know, and I think because that's ultimately the thing that they fear is that they fear they fear the judgment of their peers, right. and, and also for us as coaches, yeah. right? Is that if they if they fail to whatever degree that means failing in a drill or a task that we're giving them, or failing in competition, they fear the judgment that comes with it. Yep. And I'll, I mean, I think we're probably pretty close to being done, so uh, I'll go full hippy dippy on you. There you go. So uh, I've been reading the. Um, the Hellblazer comics. This is the John Constantine. Um, And there was a, there was a little section in there in in one of the issues I was reading. It said, um, fear makes children of us all. Hmm. But think about that, right? Children, they, they fear judgment. Mm -hmm. And, and I think a lot of that, I mean, look, I'm, I'm not going to be shy about the thing that I think a lot of that just kind of comes to like, are you going to love me the same way if I fail? Mm-hmm. Are you going to love me the same way if I struggle? And if we're talking about 
if we're talking about the perception of like the ebb and flow of love from a parent or a coach to a child based on performance of something that, that they're literally learning. Yeah. Your job should be to provide context. Like that, I don't I don't know that there's anything more important than being able to provide context because if you don't, fear makes children of us all. They are yeah. children that are driven by this fear of judgment of what it means to fail. But then for that dad who's like he sees his son failing one third of the time. Right. You have the mindset of a child. Right. Because you can't provide context for yourself. And that is really and to a kid, Bad. Uh, you know, we, my team, during our EDU sessions last week, uh, I don't think Connor Reynolds listens to the pod, so I think I can say that I didn't quite do his the EDU that he had planned. Uh, we talked about, like, what unconditional love meant. Yeah. And what that means. Yep. It's, it's not conditioned on whether or not you make a varsity team or a JV team or a freshman team or even any team. Yep. Like, I'm going to love you the same next week, no matter what happens in tryouts. Yep. And, like, I have gotten annoyed with every single one of them at some point, which they pointed out to me that that's not true with one kid, which then I couldn't <laughs> come up with an example of when I was annoyed with him. So they were kind of right. Uh, I was like, ah, fair enough. I've never gotten annoyed with him. Yeah. Um, but, like, I've gotten annoyed with every single one of you, and it doesn't change the fact that I still love you. Right. Like, I may like you less that day, uh, but, like, that's – Yeah. M- my like is conditional. Yeah. <laughs> my, my love yes. for you guys is not conditional yeah. and, like – Going into tryouts, know that me, your parents, driveline, whoever, none of that is conditioned on your performance at this tryout. Just go do the thing, and we'll, we will be here on the other end of it. Yep. And I going back to the fear of failure, Yeah, it's one of the reasons when, when I scouted, I always, uh, I had a very soft spot for anyone who played a musical instrument. Sure. Because I don't know. I mean, you, I guess, like, there's apocryphal stories of, like, Mozart, or I think there's one about Jimi Hendrix where, like, you pick up a guitar and you just know what to do with it. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what they it, tell us. Right, it's all BS. Like, no yeah. one picks up a musical instrument and is immediately good at it. You have to sound awful for some period of time before you figure out what you're supposed to do. Correct. And, like, if you play a musical instrument to any degree, I can be pretty confident that, like, you went through uh, some periods of looking like a fool uh, and like probably not just on your own. There was probably an instructor there that is trying to help you. Uh, I myself, uh, you know, had I played multiple instruments when I was growing up. But like the worst among them for my parents was the trumpet because like that's a loud one to suck at. <laughs> like, like, you know, piano, you can like is, is, is quieter to suck at guitar, especially if it's not plugged into an amp. You yeah. can suck and it's quiet. Trumpet is a loud instrument to yeah, be you can very bad. Drum at. on pillows. I mean, correct. You can drum on pillows. Yeah. I was never a drummer. I don't have rhythm. But uh, yeah, trumpet's like a really loud one to suck at. And like, you know, my parents uh, never were like, oh, sounds great. Keep going. Yeah. But they never. Told me to, they never made me stop because they were just like, I cannot hear you continue to fail at attempting to learn how to play this trumpet. Right. They know, hey, you have to fail at this for some period of time. Uh, and if I don't let you fail, you know when you're going to fail? At the concert in front of everybody. Right. Because, like, you have to practice this so that when you go out and perform in front of people, you don't sound as bad as you sound right now in your basement that your dog is running away from. Like, <laughs> it's, you know. And I, so I used to, like, very highly like had a massive soft spot for anybody who played a musical sure. instrument takes discipline. 
you you got to be willing to to fail a bunch before you actually get good at this and keep going back for more punishment before you, until you get like actually good and proficient at doing that thing. And I I think ultimately the the way that this rolls downhill is I think children need parents that give them that children children need parents and coaches that give them that unconditional love as they're learning and failing yeah. and that turns into adults who love themselves enough to be unabashedly brave about what they're trying to learn yeah and to go through failing yeah and i, I will say like the i like the quote is the fear like turns us all into children i think that to me applies more of just like the a a childish mindset as opposed to being a kid because i i do think sure inherently most kids are actually not really afraid of failure and until, that that's right that's until, a learned behavior that yeah. adults like yep. give to kids yep and it like it makes them it makes adults uh you know less adult like yeah childish right it's a childish perspective uh, but like children generally are way less afraid of failing and yeah looking like an idiot than adults are yeah and i mean and come back to the music thing right like um look if there was a period of time where jimi hendrix mozart etc there's there's them where the proficiency level is X. I just don't buy I don't buy that there isn't a, a ramp to get up mm-hmm. there. Now that ramp could be steep or that ramp could be gradual and progressive, but like it's the same thing. It's like you know back in the day, freestyle rap was actually freestyled. Right. Like that was a that was a thing. And if you you know look you want to go I mean I'm gonna play my rap nerd cards, but like. You're talking about, you know, like the West Coast guys, like the Hieroglyphics crew, like you're talking about uh, Hobo Junction, you're talking about Saphir, you're talking about like all these dudes who were actually freestyling. In in a true sense, uh, Supernatural, man, I, I promise I was a backpack rap nerd at one point in my life. All these guys had that ability to come in and, and be present and creative in a way that like I, I just I don't understand right but I don't think you get that unless you practice it yeah. and if you're going to practice it you're going to fail you know I think you're more likely to do that if you love what you're doing and you love yourself enough to not judge when you fail right and it, I think you're exactly right it's a learned behavior right right like I uh, a couple episodes episodes ago, I was talking about how I might come back to Gran Turismo as my yep. racing game du jour, right? Um, I was playing last week. I was doing some race series. It was, like, really flipping difficult for me. And I'm like, look, man, I'm 46. I'm not as good at video games as I used to be. And I was getting all angry. And my wife was like, can you not? <laughs> Honey, I love you. And the revelation I had is, like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I actually want to do this difficult thing. Yeah. I want to do this challenging thing. So the fact that I'm like getting pissy about it because it's challenging doesn't make sense. I'm choosing to do something that I know is going to be difficult. Right. Right? Like I'm not I'm not doing this in the easiest way. I'm not turning the traction control on. I'm not turning the anti-lock brakes on. I'm not doing all these other ways that in this one specific game I can make it easier. Right. I'm not having my kids swing the hottest U triple SA bat as a nine year old. Right. Right? I, I'm not 
I'm choosing to do the, I'm choosing to take the difficult path. So when it is difficult, if I'm reacting to that emotionally and judging myself, well, that doesn't make sense. Right. Since then, I like, I've gotten better. Weirdly, I've gotten better once I like, once I resolve that, you know, and like, you know, when my, when my mom read the book, the skills of scale, complete you baseball training manual, page shell, my bad. Um, when she read the book, Look, my mom doesn't know a lot about baseball. She's a lifelong baseball fan, but doesn't know a lot about like what we do on the skill yeah. acquisition side. When she was like, yeah, no, this is just about how to love your children. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And if you don't think that that's the weather's 101 thing, right? Hard work gives you honesty. What are we talking about? We're talking about if you can be honest about your assessment of how good you got and what it took to get there, you can love yourself and not hate the – like and not hate – well, I – I'm disgusted with baseball. I'm burnt out because it didn't. I didn't get a chance to get where I wanted to go. Right. The hard work gives you honesty. Part is like, yeah, no, I can just I can love myself because I I did the best that I could. Mm-hmm. And that and that's not just for playing, but it's for coaching too. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because I, you know, look, I I will I'll do both. You know, I will hold myself accountable for being like a bad youth baseball coach when I started, and I can. I can love the the effort that I gave once I started to figure that stuff out. Yeah. And whether that resulted in all of our wins or all of our losses, well, I mean, look, I'm coaching. I'm not I'm not on the field. I don't have a hat and a cap and a belt on. But yeah, man, it's just you you do the best that you can. And I, you know, this week, uh, yeah, all right, so inside baseball here. This is Wednesday morning. Yes. We are here on a Wednesday morning. Normally, we are mon- on Mondays. Yeah, a couple days we had some We had some travel, so, so we had to postpone this to Wednesday. So we're halfway through this week. Uh, it's been a, a difficult week for me. Yeah. It's the first time in years that I have not, you know, 4.30 rolled around on Monday, and I was like. I know. Well, this, this kind of sucks. Dude. And everyone was making fun of me because it's just like, this is literally the first day. It's the first, first day that you don't have them. It's, and, <laughs> They, they're going out and trying out. I'm not there. I can't control any part of that. Yeah. Any how well they do any part of that, and it's like weather's one on one. Like I know that I did everything I possibly could to get them ready to go and try out. Yep. There's nothing else I can do. Yeah. Like now, like hard work guarantees you honesty. Yep. yep. We're gonna get an honest result of where these kids stack up yep. as they go play high school, and it's like. It's not just for the players that like that message is, yeah. is important. It's for the coaches too. Like yeah. there are a lot of times where I've gotten upset with a player when in reality I'm upset with myself for not doing a, a good enough job right. hammering that message home earlier. Yeah. And so like if I didn't hammer the message home earlier, when the outcome happens that I didn't want because I didn't hammer that message home, I'm going to get mad at the outcome yeah. when I'm not mad at them. I'm mad at myself. That was avoidable. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the the parental perspective on this exact same thing is no different. Yeah. I've never been like a drop them off and leave guy. Never. I mean, even, you know, even here, right? Like I, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to, to, to be dad, especially because I've coached a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. And so for the high school thing, just drop them off. Peace out. And there's, there's a part of me that, like, want to grab my jacket. And even though it's, like, Atlantis outside and just, like, walk around and kind of and, have and, an eye. And look, yeah. And, right, and I, I want to watch. 
hey, I've I've done everything I can to to give him the perspective yeah. on how to go do this thing. He's put in and, and look, I mean it's and I, I won't even say to give him the perspective, to bolster his own perspective mm-hmm. on this stuff, right? Uh he's done everything he can to work really hard. You know, one of the things I said was like, look, man, you, you work so hard at this, you shouldn't be worried about trying out, you should be worried about showing off. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself. Yeah. Uh but weathers, one oh one. Hey, did the best we could. It's yeah. gonna be what it is, and I'm gonna love him as best as I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna love myself as a parent as best as I can and not look, you know, if my kid got cut. Again, we talked about this ten minutes ago. Yeah. What's the bad outcome? Right. It's fine. We're good. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm very I just I wish man, I just I wish that there were more I wish there were more parents. You know, this like the nine you guy. You're going to spend 20 k on finding your kid all over the country. That just tells me that not only do you have $20,000 to burn to literally set on fire. You should buy a bunch of act bets and yeah. help our scholarship fund with Code that $20,000. Um, it, it, all that behavior just very much strikes me. It's just like it's, it's a little childish. It's a it's, little childish because you're running away. You're running away from failure that's only happening 33% of the time. Do you understand the game that you're signing up for? It's shortcut. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to take the shortcut in life. Yep. Like instead of you know, putting in the work, I, I want to ride the coattails of a, a team's record. Yeah. And that's how I want to get noticed. Not yeah. for what I can do individually, but like I want to be on the best team. It's like, ah, yeah, if you're – on the bench on the best team like that's not nearly as good as being the best player on on a not very good team because you trust the process or or you know the the rating of an 11 year old like come on bro. i mean you know i don't care about the ratings of 18 year olds I know. so 11 year olds is is extremely tough news yeah um yeah i you know we were, i was i wanted to talk about uh davis's law and tissue repair because we just did this um little social media post about one of our uh, 18 news mm-hmm. uh, hunter clark who came into us with some elbow stuff got fixed and is now back up healthier and throwing harder yeah we'll save that for another time um if you want to do any homework we can, if i can assign homework out of this podcast um you can read a research article about uh davis's uh davis's law relative to tissue repair um but we'll we'll save that for another time. Yeah, we and you talked with Kozak about this on the pod uh, a little bit about yeah. like potential, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, that the fact that we had multiple athletes who didn't throw, yeah, and they just lifted and or hit and came back throwing harder. Kind of spooky. It is kind of spooky. Kind of spooky. I I mean I don't know. I still I'm really looking forward to like the. Some of the new products that we have are mm-hmm. going to get us a chance to, like, actually, I think, A-B test this in a little bit better way because there's a part of me that that really is just that pairing of skill and strength is going to be the biggest separator mm-hmm. for, for us and everybody else. Um, and gets us closer to the Weathers 101 of just, like, how good can you be? Mm-hmm. How good can you be? Put in the hard work. You do the right things. So, um very hippy dippy podcast for you guys today. Um, yeah. I feel unabashedly happy about that. Yeah. I'll if, look, man. If this podcast revolves around it, let's just like us pontificating about how parents and coaches need to love their kids more in baseball. I'm down. Yeah, and I the last thing I'll say here is that it is uh, so 
affirming. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's it's great to get all these messages from these kids who are trying out for high school yeah. teams. Um, the the good, whether they you know rounded the bases entirely. Shout out to both of you, uh, or <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. You don't listen to this, no way. But like, yeah, your dad's mind. Both of your dad's mind. Um, but like, even the they made us do this or they made us do that. Yeah. And they know, and I, I will bring up your son as an example, right? Like, you know, first thing I hear from him is, uh, PFPs did not go well. Uh, but the coach said I had good mechanics when I threw. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, good at mechanics, bad at PFPs. That, that, that's good. Yeah. And he had a really good perspective that like, he understands that PFPs aren't what's going to get him on that team. Yeah. So, like, he wasn't massively beating himself up about the PFPs. He thought it was kind of funny because, like, I know that this doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And, like, something that small that, like, most of these kids feel or, like, hey, uh, we had to do bunting at practice today and I did not go. I, I did not do well and then we hit afterwards and I raked. Right. It's like, yeah, guess what? You're probably going to make that team because you raked. And, and, and yeah. he doesn't care that you, you know, didn't do a great job bunting. Yeah. Carrying, um, carrying tools, right? Right. But, like, that level of perspective from those kids who, like, you know, a lot of these kids were so nervous to mess up. Mm-hmm. And then they are messing up at specific things, but they have that perspective to know that, like, that's not an important thing. I'm not messing up at the stuff that matters. Yes. At the hitting, the throwing, I'm not messing up at that stuff. Yep. At, at, you know, running, being an athlete. Like, maybe I bobbled the ball in the field, but, like, I was in the right spot. Yep. Or, like, hey, specific team defense stuff like PFPs or, you know, team offense stuff like bunting, things like that. I didn't do a great job at it. It's like, okay. Well, and if for anybody that's gone through uh, the Youth Baseball Development Certification course or the Skills to Skill Complete Youth Baseball Training Manual, you'll reflect back in there the, the kind of like the A-B comparison of two players that show up for their high school baseball tryout. One of whom who has carrying skills that are advanced for the age, but they might be maybe a little bit behind the curve on a thing like a PFP or, or bunt form or whatever. I'm just convicted that one of those players that has the skill stuff and needs to learn some of these small things is on the path to being a varsity uh, player on, as a sophomore. So like, here's, here's the example. His name is Gus. He's a wonderful child. We love you, Gus. Uh, not a good baseball player when he showed up last year. At 14U, right? Yes. Like late to the game. Yep. Bigger kid, yep. Tall, wide, broad-shouldered, not a bad athlete. No, he can't had move. no idea that he was a good athlete, and had really no idea what he was doing on the baseball side. Fast forward a year, mm-hmm. and I get a text message from a friend of mine who has actually got hired a few weeks ago to be his high school coach, and there's a real good chance as a freshman that he is the varsity DH for a good amount of games because of what he can do at the plate. Now, he's going to be a DH Mm -hmm. because he is extremely raw in the field still. But, like, that matters. Mm -hmm. They're going to give him uh, those reps at DH, and then he's going to get time on JV to do the other thing. If you rake like he does... Coaches will put in a bunch of time trying to figure out how to get the rest of your game right. to that point. Right. If you can't do that, they're not going to focus on you that much. Right. Right. And, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll say for, for D, right, like 
I don't think any of us are of the opinion that like PFPs aren't important. It's just a question of how much time you put into them. Right. And, and, and how important is it? Yeah. And so, so what happened was, is that, you know, his, his first day, you know, first day one tryout PFPs didn't go great. And we talked immediately afterwards and I was like, okay, well, do you understand what they expect from you now? And he goes, yeah, no, I do. Okay. Yeah. Like, we learned. Yeah. I said, if you, and, and the only thing I encouraged him to do was go talk to a coach the next day and be like, Hey, I, um, I don't think I had the best understanding of what you wanted me to do last time. This is what I think it's supposed to be now. Am I like, am I on the right path? Had that conversation with the coach yesterday. Second day of trials went great. Like some of these things are easier problems to solve than others, yeah. right? Learning what you want from a, you want a kid to do in terms of PFP for your kid or for your team, communicate it, set the expectation, let them learn it. You can learn that in a practice, yeah. like to a decent level of fidelity. Yeah. You can't learn how to be a good hitter in one practice. Nope. Like I'm, it just doesn't work that way. Nope. And, and high school coaches, their job is to go win games. Yep. That's predicated on winning games. Yep. You want to keep a job, you got to win games. So like all of that stuff becomes important. But I think for the question for us, for select club teams and for parents that are evaluating what's the right team to put your child on is, is the org, the team, et cetera, helping your child gain more leverage or less relative to the things that they focus on. Right. Because some of these things are just more important than others. Hence, skills at scale, copyright, Devin Morgan, 2018. Yeah. I mean, if you have, like, you could take the Gus example as, as yep. athlete A. If athlete B shows up and is the opposite of Gus, like, really headsy, high mm -hmm. baseball IQ player, yep. can play all over the diamond, cannot really, does not have the force to get the ball to the infield. Can't bang. Uh, high school coach is immediately, that kid's a defensive replacement. Or like he's hitting at the bottom of the order and he's going to play defense for me. Great. He looks at Gus and is like, how can I find him more ABs? Yeah. How can I get this kid in the game more? Okay. I already have my role for this first kid. Yeah. It's going to be really hard for you to get out of that role. The only way you're going to be able to get out of that role is by hitting your way out of that role. And like, I'm not going to, like you said, you're not going to become a better hitter in, in one week. Yep, and they don't get a whole lot of practice before they start playing games. No, they and you're not, not just going to get become a better hitter as games go on. Yeah. So like that kid has pigeon self pigeonholed himself into a defensive specialist, yep. pinch runner, whatever role, until he has to fight to get out of that because his first your first impression is really strong. And as he's fighting to get out of that, everybody's that either is at standard or above. Those kids are going to continue to improve as okay, well. Continue to improve, and like Gus is only going to get better at playing defense. And he's a good athlete, so there's a real chance, you know, if you have, like, a really good defensive third baseman that can't hit as a freshman, D he, Gus might be DH, and he's your third base as a freshman. As a junior, well, Gus, in two years, may have figured out how to play third base. Yeah. And that kid maybe hasn't figured out to hit a ball 97 like Gus can. Yeah. Or throw a fastball with 20 inches of horizontal run. And, and where's Gus going to be in two years? <laughs> and it's, it like... First impressions are really important. Yeah. And your high school coach is going to try to find a role for each athlete that can help him win games. Yep. You want your role to be, wow, this kid really can hit. I have to find I have to find a way, whatever it is, to get him as much as many at bats as possible, as yes. much playing time as possible. Yep. Yep. Yep, that's it. As opposed to the other kid that's just like, well, 
you're you're a good baseball player. You're still on the end of the bench, but like I am in no rush to get you into this game. And absent a time machine, you're dealing with the the end of this equation of what you've created from like eight to fourteen. Yeah. Uh, so in summary, uh, love your players so you teach them to love themselves and skills to scale. The more time you put into the things that actually matter, the more leverage you buy yourself later on in most of these scenarios, right? I understand that there are outlier, there's outlier coaches out there who might look at the kid who just can't hit his way out of a wet paper bag, really good glove, and you're going to bat that guy three. Like, okay, fine, that's just, that's a that's an outlier decision, right? Yeah. And you don't want to base the choices about how you spend time when kids are learning the game, moving for an out, mm-hmm. don't scout the outlier, mm-hmm. right? Same thing. Same thing all over again. Do uh, you feel complete? I do. All right. Thank you, guys, as per usual. Uh, again, the likes, subscribes, the notifications, all that stuff is hugely impactful. And, like, and I'll actually give you guys a review challenge. So uh, somebody in our, I think, iTunes reviews was saying that we said the word like too much very, very early on. So I apologize for my transgressions as I a don't. young as a young podcaster. I don't. But like if you could go in <laughs> if you could go in and drop a review anywhere, if you've enjoyed this content, if you can take do it in thirty seconds or less. Yeah. That'd be tight. If you want to just listen to the show, that's tight as well. We appreciate it. We're rapidly approaching a thousand, uh I'm sorry, a hundred thousand. 100K, I don't know what we'll have to do for our 100K episode. Actually, 100K episode might be the one that we talk about our new product launch that um, is going to open up doing the Academy thing without making you leave your current team. What? Yeah, new stuff happening. Because, again, uh, it's not that just you and I only care about making our thing better. We want to make the whole thing better. You know, this very, like... I understand that it's amorphous to go, well, we just want to improve youth baseball. Well, we're, I think we're getting better at like defining the steps that are going to put us yeah. to, to get there. And, and I think the other part, the other piece of that, and we can talk more about this when we get to that podcast, but um, we don't, if your athlete is on a team that the environment is loving and he enjoys showing up to practice. Yep. He loves his teammates. The coach is a good dude who cares about him genuinely. And they're just not like training in the smartest way and preparing you for high school in the smartest way. I don't think you maybe necessarily need to leave that setting. That is not a bad setting to be in. There are way worse settings to be in out there. And you just need to train, change the way you're training outside of that. Yep. And this product will help you do that because I want all of like, I want everyone to come to Driveline Academy and play on one of our teams. Like I, yes. I, I will ne- that will never change. Uh, I also don't want to force someone if they want to do any of the Driveline Academy things uh, to leave a team that like they have a bunch of friends on. They played on for a long time. Yep, parents are really close. The coach is a good person. Like there's there's no reason to to jump ship on on that. Yeah, and what we're rolling out is a way that you'll be able to have quote, your kid unquote, can too. Yeah, do the drive line, but stay with the families in the org that you're allowing to, and we're going to give you the same clarity of information about: Are you actually getting better? Where do you stand relative to your peers? Yep. Uh, man, twenty twenty four is going to be it's good stuff's happening. Yes, good stuff's happening. So thank you guys for being along with the journey. Uh, yeah, I got nothing else. We'll catch you next time. Thanks. <laughs>